The Lollygaggers Podcast wishes everyone a happy President's Day. May your three-day weekends be everything the Founding Fathers of America hoped for. On this episode, Justin talks butts, Brendan Fraser, and Doom Patrol, while Jeff plunges once more into the black barn of Gideon Falls. The Gentleman's Challenge sees spiders and really bad assassins everywhere with arachnophobia and polar. Welcome to episode number 44 of the Lollygaggers Podcast, a show about all sorts of different things from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, buddy? It's going all right. I just woke up uh, like half an hour ago, so I might sound a little sluggish. A little sluggish? I've uh, just been done. I just got done yelling at kids on a wrestling mat, so I'll be kind of sluggish when I'm done editing this because it's going to be solid mm. nap time. And I'm looking forward to sure. it. Sure. It's the joys of President Day, right? Presidents. Presidents, plural. Thank you, Trump. Name. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been president of anything i was just thinking about that as a um, way to lead in the president's day talk uh i don't think i have like a um, fan club or something or student no club. a president of the brutus fan club i will say on that i'm talking uh, about something official you know something official i don't I think, I have, think of that. i can't think of anything i've done that's that they've wanted me to be in charge. I think that's part of the big issue. Is that they're like, this guy? No. Yeah. I was president of a, like some sort of improv club thingy. When I, I can't remember the name of it, but it had a name. It like, it was like a, some fancy name. It started with a no. The yes hands. It was like Orpheus. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Orpheus something or other. Maybe I can't really remember, but anyway, that was my president's day thing. Uh, hey, quick little news note for you. I'm not sure if you saw this, but you talked about villainous a couple a uh, couple eps ago, <laughs> and uh, you were saying how it is it is just ready for expansions. Well, the expansion info, the first expansion at least, called Wicked to the Core, has now been announced, uh, and so it's going to have three characters being added. Uh, so the Evil Queen from Snow White, Hades, is coming from Hercules, and then. I don't know how to pronounce this one, so hopefully you can correct this for me. But Doctor Facilier or Doctor Facilier from The Princess and the Frog—that's not my. That's jam, the one so. I wanted to see. I wanted to see the voodoo guy. That's awesome. Perfect. Okay, so you got you got three coming. Same thing. Each player's got their own villain deck, fate deck, player board, and 3D character. Uh, I don't see a date here on the board game geek listing, so I don't know when it's coming, but it's probably pretty soon. Uh, but anyway, there you go. So that's coming down the pike. Uh, other than that, have you uh, have you been doing anything this uh, this past week? So uh, I've been trying to find a way to justify my purchase of the DC Universe because um, I enjoyed uh, Titans, but Doom Patrol came out this week, and I was so desperately wanting it to be good because I did pay fifteen bucks a month for the service. So I'm hoping that it was good. But uh, it was. Whoa, 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 whoa. 15 bucks a month? Wait, no, it might be 10. I think it's 10. That's that's yeah. really high. That's like, that's more than Netflix, I man. Think it's, I think it's 10. That's no, crazy now, high. Netflix is 14 now. They just did another hike. I know. 15 is higher than 14. I know. Hold on, hold on. Me. I know you're a math, you're a math expert. I know. Yeah, I know. Here, let's carry the, yeah, math checks out. You're right. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an imaginary number. Uh, Doom Patrol stars a whole bunch of people. 
some of them I I I feel like I've seen them before. Um, like the woman plays Crazy Jane. Uh, she's been in some stuff before that I I couldn't remember what she was in. I feel like I've seen her in something before. But her name's Diane Guerrero. You have April Balby who's playing Elastigirl. You have uh, Alan Tudyk, which is from Firefly fame. Uh, he plays their villain. He's Mister Nobody. Um, Matt Bomer, who's from White Collar. He uh, he plays uh, Negative Man. Brennan Fraser is kind of your tagalong character. He plays uh, Robot Man, Cliff Steele, and most notably and most uh, important importantly, you have Timothy Dalton, who plays the Chief. And uh, base of the story is it kind of like follows mostly Brennan Fraser. Brennan Fraser is a uh, race car driver that is in a failing relationship with his wife, um, and he gets into a car wreck with his wife and daughter and he is there are no survivors and he is saved by only his brain and the chief uh, takes these people of notable uh importance and kind of uses them to try and save them or do something with them so what he does with uh well i was gonna say like it saves only his brain you said right yeah yeah just his brain so is it kind of like the Keanu kind of Reeves, Alice Eve, uh, a thriller that just came out in January? Like rep, I can't remember the name of it. It wasn't very good. So, um, so is it's, it like that. It, they, he saves his brain and he puts it into a robot. And so I, I didn't see that Keanu Reeves movie, so I'm not sure if it's if it's similar or not. I don't think anyone did, but I heard it was bad. <laughs> so I don't know how that works. Well, this one's good because um, Brendan Fraser uh, is a good actor. Uh, he just hasn't been in this stuff in a long time. Um, and he's also, um, I think he got stung by a bunch of bees because he's really puffed up somehow. I don't know what happened. Um, so is Topper on Umbrella Academy, which I started this weekend. I don't know what's going on with people getting stung by bees. Bees bee are problem. dying off. Bees aren't dying off. Bees are just attacking us. They're attacking all of our actors. Yeah, that's what it is. So Chief saves his brain, puts it into a robot body, and then uh, kind of Rick revives him. And Robot Man is just basically a brain inside of a giant robot body, hence Robot Man. Uh, you have Matt Bromer's character, who's Negative Man. He was a fighter pilot back in the 60s and got into a uh, – like he so he was a fighter pilot that was testing out rockets, and he went into space, and very similar to like Fantastic Four, this – thing passed through his body and he became somewhat of a electrically charged being but his body was ruined and so he covers his body and and uh wraps and stuff like that but like this electrically charged mm. being can come out of him okay. um crazy jane's played by dan guerrero she's basically a woman with multiple personalities but these personalities come out much like legion does uh in the legion tv show so like oh i want to rant about that at some point but you go ahead okay, okay. so she has that come out um Let's see here. Uh, the guy who plays uh, so Elastigirl, April Balby, she is a basically she was a beautiful actress back in the forties, um, and she has an accident where she falls in the water and inhales some uh, toxic waste, and then she becomes kind of like the blob. But she's kind of she, so basically she's basically Mr. Fantastic, but she can't control it all the time. Um, so she kind of just like droops all the time. So she looks like a monster, um, and she the only way she can kind of like sustain her life she has to eat constantly so she's eating like a monster constantly and alan tudyk is the bad guy he kind of like sold a soul of the devil and like uh paid a, a nazi to do experiments on him and he became this shattered being that can kind of like alter reality 
It's a pretty cool, interesting little Mr. Nobody, right? Yeah, it's really interesting because the idea is he was a henchman and he was a nobody. And so now uh, he's exemplifying the idea of being nobody that's more important than you think. Um, And so basically you follow this, you follow this, there's there's only one episode and you follow them through this first episode of introducing all the characters. Bernard Fraser's fantastic. Um, His acting as, you know, he's not the person in the robot suit, but he does all the voice acting for and stuff like that. It's really, really good. Um, I, I just forgot how good of an actor he was. You know, I, I love them in the mummy and a lot of stuff before that too, or also like, um, blast from the past. That is great. Also Encino man. He's great as Encino man. So, uh, he actually is great in Encino man. That's a good movie. Uh, under underrated Paulie shore flick right there. Yeah. And also has a, a Samwise Gamgee in it. So, uh, I thought it was really good. The one plays crazy. Jane's fantastic. How she kind of like goes in and out of these. The only, the only the only downfall I have of the show is maybe it's because it's the pilot, but some of the special effects are terrible. Um, really, really bad looking. Some of them are really good. The Robot Man outfit's really good, and the Mr. Negative outfit's fantastic, but some of the special effects look real bad. Um, and I hope that they start using them more sparingly because they don't look really good. Um, also, there's a lot of Brennan Fraser ass in this, like a lot. And that's that's surprising. This is not and- a this is not a child's show. Um, they use the F-bomb a lot, and there's nudity within the first five minutes of it, um, which is strange to me because it's on the DC universe. And the things that are also on the DC universe are like the Batman animated series or Young Justice or uh, Justice League, all these cartoons and stuff. And then you throw in this other superhero TV show, and there's open nudity and really bad swearing and a lot of bad stuff. So I'm like, I think it's misplaced for its audience but they're trying to be a bit darker since they're not going to do that anymore in the movies i guess so i don't know it's better than anything on wb i enjoy it again the only problem i have with it is it is released weekly which is frustrating we're past that point now just give me all my shows so i can binge what is this 1992 you know it's like ridiculous. this is ridiculous absolutely I don't even must see tv I think it was a good year, though, I gotta say. But uh, I, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to watching more episodes of it. Alan Tudyk plays a pretty good villain. Um, he's just got, he's got good voices and stuff like that. And Alan Tudyk's just good. Like, he's just good. That's it. That's and what it is. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking because it's narrated by Alan Tudyk. And uh, he basically is calling him a bunch of losers and stuff like that. And there's a great line in the show where it's like, uh, critics hated her. Like, it was um, for Elastigirl. Critics uh, hated her movies. But what do critics know? They're probably going to hate this show too. So it's like little stuff like that, which is I'm like, that's yeah, pretty good. Um, so it's funny. So it's 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 an enjoyable show. And Timothy Dalton, even though the man's know, like sixty I, years I, old, I was about to say that. Like it's got Sir Timothy Dalton. I don't know if he's he's sir, like six he years be. old, but oh my gosh, he's still so dreamy. And he's also in. in a he's seventy two, by the way. He's seventy two. Yeah, he was born the twenty first of March, nineteen forty six. He's still got beautiful. So I think eyes. Wikipedia needs to to catch up on this. So uh, yeah, he's 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 turning seventy three, uh, and he's in just great. A couple weeks, and he's great in this, and he plays like he just plays like a like. The idea is Doom Patrol was the precursor to X Men. It's the it's the idea that came up before X Men, but X Men went more of a, uh, um, racial uh, allegory with it, with uh, it being in the seventies and having to do with, uh, um, suffrage and stuff like that, racial suffrage and everything, and um, I think. This this came out just before, so that, like X Men stole from this idea, but it went in a completely different direction. So he's basically a Professor X, and I think he does a really really good job. So 
Uh, I highly suggest it if you get the DCU. At some point, I want to give you my password so you can watch this and uh, Titans. So, yeah. Cool, man. I'll be looking forward to that password because I ain't paying <laughs> for this crap. Uh, anyway. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm definitely interested in watching it. I seriously don't want to watch it week to week. Like, that's just insane. Uh, I can't do that anymore. Uh, but I would like to talk about a comic I haven't talked about in a while, but uh, it's hitting a fairly important breakpoint. Uh, a comic called Gideon Falls, which is the first uh, ongoing comic I ever uh, I ever subscribed to. Uh, and it is a comic by uh, writer Jeff Lemire uh, with artist Andrea Sorrentino. And Dave Stewart does, I think, coloring. I'm, I'm not sure. You you would probably know that. Those types of terminology better than me. I've talked about this on the show before, uh, going back all the way to episode 17 when I first started. Uh, fallen in love with it uh it has wrapped up on volume two just this past week and so we are up through issue 11 so the first volume uh that one grouped issues one to six uh that one's called black barn and then the second volume uh groups issues seven to eleven and that uh, is called original sins the actual volume itself isn't uh isn't going to be out until april i believe but the issues like each separate issue is currently available so Gideon Falls, if you've not heard me talk about it before, uh, is a horror comic, and it is a horror comic set uh, relatively in the the present day. Those specific years are strangely avoided uh, for reasons that become clear as the uh, as the comic progresses. But it is a urban horror uh, slash rural horror uh, that follows the this this concept of a of a urban legend or a folklorish uh, black barn that appears and uh, then leaves after a while, but it also brings with it some sort of evil and usually something horrible happens. Uh, so usually a series of, of murders or a series of fires or something like that happens. Uh, and the comic itself is told from two different perspectives. It's told from the perspective of Father Fred, and it's told from the perspective of Norton Sinclair. Norton Sinclair is kind of a down-on-his-luck schizophrenic um, former orphan inside this metropo- uh, metropolitan excuse me, uh, this metropolitan city uh, who is currently wandering around the, the city collecting various pieces of trash because he feels like there's some sort of message, like they're all building towards something. And he is uh, being uh, kind of supported somewhat by his uh, his psychiatrist, um, Dr. Angie Zhu. And then the other character is uh, Dr. It's just, excuse me, is Father Fred. Uh, Father Fred is in the rural town of Gideon Falls, and he is uh, a new priest uh, who has been tasked with taking over uh, the station there because the pre- previous priest, uh, Father Tom, died. Now, Father Fred stumbles into this huge conspiracy uh, because murders start to occur within Gideon Falls, a couple of them back to back. And he is uh, he's kind of like brought into this huge conspiracy uh, because there's these there's a guy called Doc Sutton, who is this old crazy old man with a great big bushy beard uh, who was a part of the plowmen and the plowmen were, were kind of a group of people that were there to try to prevent the evil. Right. So it's just sort of this, this group. Uh, he also is just, uh, on that side of the storyline. There is the sheriff um, who is searching for her long lost brother um, and is also somewhat estranged from her father who is Doc Sutton. And those kind of those are the three sort of main characters on that side there's a bunch of other characters as well little side characters here and there but those are the the, kind of the primary players 
Uh, now, throughout the entirety of the comic, uh, we've kept these two these two storylines completely separate. And there have been times in which we flirted with reasons why we're seeing these two point of views. What do they have to do with one another? Um, why are we telling the story from this side and from that side at the same time? Will they ever cross over? There are times when I thought maybe this was a case of like one is being told in the distant past and one is being told in the current present. Uh, but that is not the case. Uh, now, the big thing with Original Sins, this whole second volume, is that we've got to go inside the uh, the darn barn a couple times because the barn appears uh, as as Edward, excuse me, as Norton um, and Angie both uh, both put the the actual barn together inside the city, and as uh, as the sheriff and Father Fred are kind of investigating uh, these murders and trying to hunt down and figure out who's kind of responsible for all this. Um, both both Father Fred and Norton eventually get inside the barn at the same time. And all sorts of strange things are going on because every time we go inside the barn, and we've been inside the barn once before, um, there was a character who tried to drag in the sheriff. And once we went inside the barn, uh, Father Fred followed her in to try to help her. And while he was in there, all sorts of crazy things were going on. Like we're talking about weird issues with time and space. Uh, we're talking about weird weird things in terms of like perception, like what are we perceiving? Um, the artwork by Andrea Sorrentino at these times is amazing. There's all sorts of things uh, that's that are being done in terms of the actual little cells themselves are almost like breaking apart, like they're shattering like glass. Um, there's all sorts of these wonderful images where the two storylines are kind of intertwining at the same time. When we see almost like a almost like two long rolls of film that are being wrapped together in such a way, so that we're seeing what is what are what are each sides of these story storylines actually doing at the same time and how they're intersecting. Is it possible that what's one is doing in one uh, side of the side of the story is actually affecting what's going on in the other world. So we've been inside this barn before very briefly, but the final two issues of volume two, we spend a very extended period of time. In fact, the entirety of the final issue, uh, issue 11, we're inside and who, ah, little, it's crazy. It's weird. So I'm going to spoil some stuff because I don't really care anymore. Uh, so you have, you have got your warning. So if you're reading Gideon Falls uh, and you don't want me to spoil stuff, well then tough because uh, I'm going to do it. So in issue number 11, the two, the two sides of the story, they get into uh, the barn. So Angie uh, and, and Norton Sinclair have collected a bunch of pieces uh, of the barn uh, because then they want to rebuild it inside of this empty lot in the middle of this metropolitan city because Norton's feeling pulled. And he also just through a vision after he was kind of thrown into a mental hospital and like shut away into the dark, got a vision of where he can find a key, a key that he presumes is going to be able to unlock or open the door to the barn. And so they go and they retrieve this after Angie breaks him out of this particular mental hospital where a Dr. Caudry may or may not probably may is somehow connected uh, to the barn. He's a very evil looking doctor. He's got evil looking glasses. He says evil like things. And so he's evil. Uh, so the two of them, they go and they get this key and they go to this vacant lot and they realize that it's not the vacant lot more than it is the trash. There's something about this idea of trash, right? And so they rebuild the door frame of the barn just to stand there in this lot. And then in doing so, that summons the barn to that particular place. Meanwhile, Father Fred uh, has just helped Doc Sutton, who just had some kind of heart attack, uh, go to the hospital. And then um, the sheriff, Clara, she is staying with her father. 
And so the the F father Fred kind of is like, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check out this landfill because they learned that the landfill is actually on the uh, the land of a former uh, a former inhabitant of Gideon Falls from the olden days, Norton Sinclair. Interesting name. So this name starts popping up, and it learned they learned that Norton Sinclair was like the original was like the original murderer. Like he was the guy that was blamed. And we get these little flashbacks to a long time ago when the first like 12, I think he did like 12 murders take place and they didn't have any kind of witness until the very last one, which someone says it was Norton Sinclair. And then a group of the original plowmen in this flashback go to confront Norton Sinclair who had the barn. And when they opened the door to the barn, they viewed something so horrible and so something so crazy that, Four of them disappeared, and only father, only the the priest at the time, uh, survived. And that's when he started the official plowman group that's been working as kind of a this underground supernatural like neighborhood watch to try to protect the city. So Father Fred's like, all right, I want to go take a look at this landfill since it's on this guy's land, right? And he goes. Now before he does, he gets this weird cryptic phone call from a bishop who we periodically see throughout the comic that is. Uh, saying things about, you know, when you get there, look me up, right? These weird cryptic, cryptic lines, like when you, when, when you get there, come see me because I'll be there too. And, you know, the bishop has always seemed really strange. We never actually get to see his face. Uh, we always see it from a distance. Um, and we always see him like behind like a, like a big high back chair. So who knows what this might be. So both of the groups, both sides of the the narrative actually go to their respective landfills slash trash heaps uh, in either the rural place or in the metropolitan place. And lo and behold, the black barn appears for both of them and both father Fred and Norton Sinclair, despite the urgings uh, not to from Angie and from uh, the sheriff, uh, they plunge into the barn and that's where they run into each other for the first time. They actually meet each other. And not only that, but we learned that Norton Sinclair, who we thought was Norton Sinclair, who who he thought was Norton Sinclair, is not in fact Norton Sinclair. He is who what many people, and myself included, have, have suspected. He is the sheriff's long lost brother, blah, 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 blah. That's not really the surprise. The surprise is that there's another person inside this damn thing. So, and it is in fact Norton Sinclair, and it's all like weird stuff. And so there's like this Nikola Tesla-like machine on the inside with some sort of weird electrical thing popping out of it. And he's, and it's a, apparently a multiple worlds type comic, right? There, he's talking about how he keeps referring to he, and he keeps referring to like this, these are the, these are his kingdoms. And we don't necessarily know who that means. We see all these sorts of fractured images of about a dozen different, different worlds. Uh, not only that, but apparently there is some sort of monster that lives between those worlds. And that monster uh, like attacks uh, the original Norton Sinclair and it's like this big old cockroach and it's so disgusting and creepy. Uh, and then the two, the two heroes that we've had uh, start running away. Uh, but unfortunately, as they're running away, we get into one of those cases where the cells start to break. They start to fracture again, like glass. And they both end up in each other's uh, timeline or each other's world. If we're considering these are parallel worlds. Right. And so now we have father Fred, who's in the, in the metropolitan area, hanging out uh, with, uh, with Dr. Angie zoo. And we've got, uh, we've got the, who we thought was Norton Sinclair back in Gideon Falls. And it looks like Sheriff, the Sheriff recognizes him as her long lost brother. And that's where we end up and end up the, the second volume. Now this is like totally trippy. It's totally crazy. And it's a really cool place to, to end off. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to wait till April. Cause I think April is when the next one's coming out. 
Uh, I'm so starting show- to get a real like dark tower feel from this book, by the way. Yeah, because it's like a mixture of, of it's got some sci-fi, it's got some got some horror, and it's certainly got something going on with like multiple worlds, right? It's like this idea, like it's very bluntly and explicitly stated, like these are as many kingdoms. And then all this time, like we've constantly been wondering what the hell do these two storylines have to do with one another? There was a point where I thought it was like in the past, uh, because we ended one of the issues, I can't remember which issue, on like the on, on the name of the big metropolitan city that is apparently Gideon Falls. I'm like, oh, okay, so this this is just Gideon Falls in the present, and then you know Father Fred's Gideon Falls in the past when it hadn't yet grown, but that ain't the case. It's just these are completely different worlds in some way, right? What does that mean? I don't know. Will we see any other worlds? I don't know. I sure as hell want to know what the hell the bishop was talking about. I assume that Father Fred's got to go and and actually find the bishop in this their parallel world and that the, the bishop somehow knows more about this. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when uh, Danny, who I guess is who we should call Norton, the, who we thought or is originally Norton Sinclair, when he's at, like, we should see what he's going to be like now, because, because now that he's in this rural countryside and, and hopefully we get some actual direct confirmation that he, he is in fact the brother, um, which I think is pretty clear. Uh, I continue to love it. I continue to think it's uh, pretty weird and creepy. Uh, I love the art whenever we go. I want to go in the barn more because every time we go in the barn, there's some like crazy surrealistic art that's going down. Like there's, I don't know, man. Like it's get, it's get, it gets so strange um, when I see like, okay, here's a cell, you know, of a comic. And then suddenly it fractures and you see all these tiny little pieces of cells. And like, you kind of got to zoom in or like get really close to it. If you're, if you're watching or if you're reading from a physical copy, just to see what all the little cells are and how they parallel one another, which is fascinating to me. Like, I love this, this, uh, this series of cells that, um, that Sorrentino did that look like those two rolls of film that are just wrapping together. It's so fascinating. And like you can, and we've seen this from time to time. So this is certainly got something to do with parallel worlds possibly. And it's got something to do with some sort of creepy monster that maybe lives between these worlds. And they're trying to, and that, that creepy monster is somehow connected or attached to the original Norton Sinclair, who has been holed up inside of this barn for a really long time. And somehow that that the two of them kind of merged, I guess, in some way, or the, the creepy monster like inhabited him or whatever. And that kind of accounts for the creepy smile, smile man that we've seen throughout the throughout the issue as well. So definitely, definitely read Gideon Falls. Uh, it is really creepy. Uh, there are some really good characters. So it's not just like, like, you know, horror, gore and stuff like that. There's very little gore, in fact. Um, and the, the type of humor that we're getting is more kind of unspeakable, confusing type horror than it is like, oh my God, this is like gory and gross and like there's dismemberment left and right. Like this is pretty mild in those terms. It's really just about the idea uh, of the unknown, like being afraid of what this unknown is. So we've always had the kind of idea of like mental mental illness on the side of, of the original Norton Sinclair that we followed for so long because he was he was diagnosed as schizophrenic and he's, he's spent time in a mental hospital. And then we have the issue of like, like faith as well. Like what is faith, faith and belief in that, which you don't know, or that, which you can't observe. So these are really interesting themes and storylines that are being explored. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's being explored in a very, in a very like healthy, like a healthy way. Like in the, in the sense that I think they're being represented in a fair, fa- a fair manner. They're not just sort of, you know, being presented in a way that is cliche, uh, which I think happens quite often when it comes to mental illness with like 
people constantly using like the generic multiple personality stuff, which isn't even right, you know? So there actually seems to be some attempt to present that in, in an interesting, an interesting and complex manner. Um, so really curious where it's going to go now that we have a switcheroo in the timelines. Uh, really curious to see what Father Fred's going to be doing uh, in the metropolitan area and whether or not he's going to track down the bishop. Uh, and I really want to know what's going to happen with Dr. Kadri, who is the creepy doctor who tried to imprison Norton uh, and who may or may not uh, be involved directly with the barn. Um, so definitely want to see that. So that's Gideon Falls issue or excuse me, volume number two, Original Sins, which the full collected version will be available sometime in April, April 17th, I believe. And on that note, Justin, I think let's go, uh, let's go talk about some other stuff. And now, it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge. So the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do on the Lollygaggers podcast, where Justin and I like to give each other homework assignments because we're teachers and we love homework. And these homework assignments usually entail watching a movie or TV show or playing a game or something like that. And then to ensure that we uh, we did our homework, uh, that we actually watched the things or played the things that we said we were going to, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it. Now, we should warn you that everything we talk about within the Gentleman's Challenge is heavy spoiler territory. So if there is something that you uh, don't want to be spoiled about uh, regarding the 1990 thriller arachnophobia because you haven't had time to watch it, uh, you certainly shouldn't be listening to the segment on that. Uh, but... More likely, if you uh, if you want to watch the movie Polar, uh, but uh, you haven't had a chance yet, which only came out a couple weeks ago, definitely don't listen to that until after you have experienced it for yourself. And on that note, Justin, uh, who, who, who's going first? Who's going first? You call it. I think I'll, I'll take it first. I'll take it first. All right. All right. Do it. So I watched the 1990 classic uh, thriller, Arachnophobia. Yeah, that's it strange, is, though, because I actually assigned the documentary on Amazon for you to watch. That's that's. But, but, yeah. Oh, no. There's a documentary on uh, on Amazon called Arachnophobia. And then there's a the movie called Arachnophobia. Mistake. This is you're going to totally fail. Uh, absolutely fail this quiz. Uh, Anyways, I'll just talk about this. One. Uh, so it's directed by Frank Marshall. It stars Jeff Daniels. Um, a whole bunch of people. Uh, Harley Jane Kozak plays his wife. John Goodman plays the wonderful Delbert McClintock. Uh, the uh, He's like the exterminator in the area. Um, so there's a whole bunch of people in this film. And so basically you have this. Uh, so Ross Jennings, played by Jeff Daniels, is moving to a small rural town away from San Francisco because he wants to kind of restart his life, get away from the big city and uh start a new job as a doctor as the town doctor there when he gets there he finds out that the town doctor that was there that was going to retire just decides last second that he's not going to retire so there's a bit of a clash there so he he, pr- he promised he was going to give him all of his patience but instead now he's got to kind of like start on his own so there's a bit of a clash between him because he lives a big shitty laugh he doesn't understand the small town people uh but before that happened there's a very I guess Jurassic Park style opening where uh, a uh, wait what it seemed it, when I was watching it's kind of like Jurassic Park it's just kind of like the, the way it was there's an island somewhere where they're having some kind of giant theme park based upon spiders from yeah. the yeah, 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 Jurassic yeah. and Paleolithic era okay pretty much yeah. got it so uh, there's a photographer that goes to try and capture some shots of some wildlife and while they're there they're trying to a doctor Dr James. Uh, Atherton, who's a, a, a 
like a biologist, a professor biologist, uh, he is collecting some samples. So he puts his fog stuff in the air and all these butterflies start falling down from the, from the, from the upper area of the rainforest. It's in Venezuela. And every once in a while I hear these big thumps. And when they look at where it was, these giant spiders fell out from the sky too and landed into these catchers. So they start collecting them and uh, find out that they still live pretty well. And they're just kind of like these interesting species where they don't have sex organs. So they're almost like, they're almost like worker ants or worker bees. Um, so there must be a queen. Well, in the area, the queen was there and kind of like traveled with them back to their camp. And that's when my skin started crawling in the movie because I remembered why I didn't like this film so much. Um, and one of the notes I put uh, for this movie is, fuck you, Jeff. That's one of them. And the other one is, wow, this is this is a family friendly. And, and the other one is, why? 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 Why this? Because... The first, the, told the first thing that I, I remembered why I hate this movie because they do all these things that can really happen and you won't die. But like the way the first guy dies is he's laying in the I, I remember this one. This is one when it hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. He's laying in his cot and then the spider goes into his cot, climbs up his leg and bites him in the stomach when he's laying down and then he dies. So like that one particular moment that one death it brought back it just went like a rush to my head of why i hate this movie because it's that little stuff that makes your skin crawl it's very plausible one goes inside someone's shoe there's one that lands on a girl's face when she's taking a shower like all those little things are just like oh my god i just i can't i can't i can't so anyways he dies, and on in his coffin on the way back, they bring back the 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 spider. Super smart, it's like hyper intelligent. It goes into the coffin on the way back. When it goes in the coffin, ends up back in this small town. The town's name is uh, the city of Konima, I guess it was called, um, something like that. And uh, it gets away when the coffin comes back. A bird tries to eat it. It kills the bird, falls out of the sky, and lands right next to Jeff Daniels' house that he just moved into. And it's an old house, and it has a cellar, and the cellar is all dank and gross and, and musty, so it's a perfect place for it to create its nest. And so it finds some indigenous spiders in the area and creates like a hybrid version of, of itself to kind of like start breeding. And so slowly around the whole uh, town, people start dying, but they die in such ways where you can't tell if it is a spider bite or if it's just natural causes or whatever. So like uh, his first patient dies and they think it's because she's older, had hypertension and that she had heart problems. And he took her off of her hypertension medicine that the other doctor prescribed to her because he felt it wasn't necessary anymore because her blood pressure was actually too low. And when they took her, when he took her off it, they thought it wasn't a spider bite. They thought she died from hypertension. And then a uh, football player gets killed because a spider goes in his helmet and when he puts the helmet on, it bites him in the neck. And that's the type of stuff that just. It's but Justin, rough. you're not a football player anymore. You're a football coach. You never have to put a helmet on. Yeah, but I don't want to have to deal with a kid who gets bit by a spider. You know what I mean? So anyways, uh, the kid <laughs> okay. gets bit. You don't want to deal with that inconvenience. Paperwork that's a rough part of my life. Yeah. So he gets bit in the head, but he gets he gets bit right when he's getting hit by kids. And then the doctor was for, like, Jeff Daniels was first on the scene because he was there watching because he had to do all their uh, physicals and stuff. 
And so the other doctor thinks, oh, he just, uh, he, he mistreated him when he took his helmet off and stuff. And so he died from like, uh, his broken neck or something like that. So like it creates this weird tension that it's all gotta be Jeff Daniels fault. Um, what else happens? A, a, a spider bites the doctor in his foot. And so like, oh, he just died from, uh, I forget what they said. This is just old age or a heart attack or a stroke. Um, and then the last two that died was Mimi from the Drew Carey show and uh, her husband. And that one was gross because when they go to the house, the spider comes out of his face and crawls around his face and stuff like that. Anyways, they slowly find out that the spiders have something to do with it. They call the professor up. The professor comes and helps to try to deal with it. Let's them know, okay, there's got to be a nest somewhere. And where could it be? They find that the nest is at Jeff Daniels house. And they, so they look in the garage, they look in the barn and like most super smart uh, biologists would do, the professor goes into the barn by himself and gets, and then takes one of the long strands and starts plucking at it. So he's like, come get your dinner. And then it comes in and kills him because obviously he's asking for it to come bite him. So that was dumb. Uh, other than that part, the rest of the movie is great. Introduced to John Goodman's character, which is a, uh, he's like, he's like a, a, a what's his name? Uh, the guy from Caddyshack, he's got the same type of voice as Bill Murray from Caddyshack. Like, okay, okay. Uh, you got yourself a little problem here. And so he talks kind of like that, but he's like, I don't agree with that. I think he's got a southern accent. I think he's trying, but he's great because he's like a he's like a badass uh, when it comes to extermination, and he's hilarious and he's funny. And one of the best lines in the film was, uh, do you have a map of the town of all the houses? And he goes, why are you looking to buy here? And it's just like, it's one of my favorite lines. It's, it's a good line. So, it's a really good line. He's so funny in the whole movie. Um, Cause he's just so inept to reality of what's going on around him. Like this is a town crisis. And he's like, he's, he just doesn't care. He just cares about the fact that he's an exterminator. And I miss that type of John Goodman. Like, I thought those lines were fantastic. And he played it really, really well. He helps exterminate a lot of the worker uh, uh, spiders and stuff at the culmination of the movie. They go down to, they find out that the, the nest is really in the basement. Jeff Daniels, the reason why he finds out that it's in the basement is because they're trying to escape the house. The house is being swarmed. And then he falls off the banister down through the, the floor, which they set up a lot earlier because they said there was termite damage and, or uh, John Gibbons said, oh, it's just bad wood. It's bad wood. What do you do with bad wood? <laughs> you put in good wood. Put in good wood. And so it's really funny because they brought him in because they thought there was termite problems. And so they set that up early in the movie as he falls off the banister, he falls through the floor because the floor is all rotten. And when he's down there, he sees the spider and he kills it by flinging it at a, uh, a like a power junction or like a, a, a what are those called? Junction box. And uh, he thinks it's dead. And then he goes to get to set the egg sack on fire, and it turns out that he just had killed the 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 father of the of the spiders, not the mama spider. And so starts a really really well shot yet super creepy sequence of him fighting this spider one on one with a, a spray paint can and a lighter. And I love mm. how it's shot; it's so well done. There's so many great little parts, like when he's firing when he's doing the fire and it goes behind the little vent and then does fire again. Like there's a track shot that goes with it. There's so many really cool shots. And it's so creepy when they show its face. Like you can tell, like it has thoughts and it's thinking about what's going on. Like it's really, really well done. That whole sequence. But that sequence I think is fantastic. It's one of the best little 
final horror sequences, you know, in any movie I've seen. Um, and then he gets it in the end by it's crawling up his body. And you can tell like the way they create the situation, like it has, you know, cognitive thought and it's like coming in for the kill. Cause it wants to really kill him in a great way. And it's climbing up his body. And then he hits a board, the board flings it into fire and then it jumps at him and he takes a, a nail gun that he was using earlier in the movie and shoots it into the, the, the sack. And it's a really big old moment. That's pretty cool. That detail always bothered me when I was a kid. And I watched this because I used to work with my dad who's in construction and uh, he's got those types of nail guns, but all the nail guns he had required you to like press it down against wood before it would actually fire. So like you couldn't just shoot it like a regular gun. It needed to have that pressure. And I was always like, that wouldn't have worked. And I don't know. Maybe there, maybe there's other types of old ones. Guns. I think they do. Now they have like safeties on them just so you don't kill giant spiders. I think it's the main reason. Dude, that was like, I was like 1991 when I was doing this. What are you talking about? This is when I was a kid. That final sequence is really cool. I love this. is a great movie, but it's just like the things about it are just they get under my skin and they stick in my head. You got spiders just, under your skin and inside your head. Yeah, I've been what? doing a lot. I've been doing a lot of uh, heroin, so I got spider skins right now. Where it's, I haven't done it in a while, and so I'm starting to get that okay. the feeling. But okay. like, it's a great movie, and there's there's a lot of really funny parts in it. John Goodman's so good in it. There's so many little one liners the guy's got. It's fantastic. But like, it's horrifying to me. Like, I am Jeff Daniels' character. The movie's called Arachnophobia because he has arachnophobia other than spiders. He got it because he had a terrible incident when he was a child. And every time he sees spiders, he freezes up because he just had that terrible moment. And so he personally has arachnophobia. So it's like, I am Jeff Daniels. So in this and in the movie Dumb and Dumber. So, and I couldn't help but sure. like when, when he when he shot the uh, uh, spider, I was like, Harry, you're alive and a horrible shot. So, but yeah, but he shot the spider, so it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a horrible shot. Anyway, that's, that's arachnophobia. Fine. I enjoy it, but it's horrifying. So, so I told you this last week, but uh, when I was a kid and this came out and I watched it, uh, my best friend was a he's a weirdo. Uh, he doesn't do this much anymore, but he used he's one he was one of those guys who uh, who always collected like uh, like lizards and spiders and stuff like that, and snakes and things like that. So he was he's one of those, and he had a pet tarantula. So yeah, that was fun. Uh, and whenever uh, we would do sleepovers, he would like uh, freak me out and stuff like that by showing uh, me his, his weird, uh, his weird collection of animals that could probably kill good me. Friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good friend. He's a good friend. Thanks, Phil. Uh, all right. You ready for your quiz? Yeah. Okay. Question number one. Who killed old Dr. Metcalf? Uh, who killed old Dr. Metcalf? That's the, it was the, well, the spider was in his shoe, but that's not what they thought right are you talking about what they what they assumed happened i'm talking about i i thought the question was pretty clear who killed the old dr metcalf uh alzheimer's oh that's incorrect it's it's a line it's a line i know it is i just can't Uh, remember what that's incorrect uh his wife did because she told him that the floor was cold and that he should put on his slippers Uh. inside of which was a spider (laughs) so clearly it was her fault so and then she went and was billy madison's grandma she was. She was. She was happy she Gilmore's was. grandma. So <laughs> yeah, but the problem was is that she was she was a widow in Happy Gilmore, and she was a widow because she killed her husband. Yeah, and all I didn't know this is interconnected universe. Before now, yeah. I always thought like Marvel was the first one who did it. It was the interconnected Happy Gilmore universe. 
Happy you just wait. I have an even more mind-blowing connection later. Okay. So, all right. Okay. All right. So question number two, what physiologically happens when a person is around something that scares them to death? And in this case, it would be spiders. What happens physiologically? Uh, what was it? They, it was the guy with the glasses explained this crap. That is correct. Yeah. Um, Let's hear what he explained. Is it your adrenals kick in? Is that what it is? Your adrenals kick in? Is it? It creates a fight or flight technique? That is incorrect. The brain secretes a neurotransmitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're on the right track. You're on the right track, but uh, didn't quite get there. Didn't I just I remember because that's when they're in the car and they're talking about it. Uh, no, this is when they were trying. I think this is when they were trying to escape the house or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, okay, question number three. This one, hopefully, you'll, you'll get these. This is a series of questions about John Gooden's Delbert. So I assume this is going to be in your wheelhouse. <laughs> it's me, so. basically, but with a different job. Exactly. And yeah. So what's the name of Delbert's extermination company? How does he check for termites? And what's the jewel of his hobbyist collection? Those are the three questions. Uh, he checks for termites with like a, a stethoscope. That's right? correct. This termite company. Delbert's. Is Delbert in the name of it? I don't think it is. Um, it's something stupid. I can't remember. I So I won't get that one. Now, what was the last question? The last question is, what is the jewel of his hobbyist collection? What's his hobbyist collection? Uh, oh, I'm so disappointed in you if you don't get this one. Jewel of his hobbyist collection. I missed that one. I'll go one for three on this one. I don't know. Okay, so the name of the company is Bugs Be Gone. Okay, uh, which, all is, right. which is pretty stupid. Uh, but as he's exploring the cellar, uh, the wife, I can't remember the wife's character's name. Uh, she is explaining to him how, uh, how Ross. Oh yeah. It's a misprinted cellar. beer. Exactly. So it was a beer. So, so whereas Ross's Ross's character has a wine collection, Delbert has a beer collection. The prize of which the, 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 the jewel of the hobbyist collection is the 19 is a 1974 Miller light beer can with a misprinted label of which there are only 100 or so in circulation. It's like it's just like yeah, yeah it's just a fourteen hundred dollar bottle of wine. Yeah, I got a pretty good hobby too. It's just like yeah, uh, <laughs> might be interested in checking it out. So good, so good. Okay, question number four. So you got one out of three on that one. Question number four: What television show was Ross's family watching when Family Ties? That is correct. Well done. Yes. So towards oh, the, the end of the Seavers, movie, they're going to die. Yep, towards the end of the movie, there's Michael Gross and there's uh, Michael J. Fox and, and the other people that were in the show. Get uh, out so of there, Seavers. There's, there's, there's arachnophobias everywhere. Right. I don't call right. them spiders. I call them arachnophobias. Wait, what? I call spiders arachnophobias. There's arachnophobias all over the house. Get out of there. I have to consider possibly docking you some points right here. Because even though you got the answer correct, you kept referring to them as the Seavers, and they were the Keatons. Oh, the so, Seavers. What's Seavers? Seavers, Seavers in... I think, was Growing Pains. Oh, that's what the... Um... Yeah. That's with Boner? Yeah. yeah so I'm going to yeah. go ahead and have to dock you half. No, 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 come on. I got it right. I, 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 think, I, think, I, I remember that. that the family very, friend of the Seavers was Boner. Though, very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, after watching the movie, what is your feeling on basements and barns? I'm glad I live in Florida. That's what I'm happy about. There's plenty of barns in Florida, 
But here's what happened. I watched the movie yesterday, right? When I watched the stuff, I watched them in the morning on Sunday. That way, even though that's how bad my memory is, by the way. I will watch the thing before we record. And I still won't remember. So this morning I had wrestling practice and there's spider webs in these big windows outside. And, I, and because of the movie, I went and just took the time to watch the, 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 the spider that was outside the window. So I hate uh, basements and barns. Um, I'm never going to go in one by myself. I'm going to have at least one accountability buddy with me at all times. Um, and never enter a basement. Never. Because there's never anything good in the basement. Between this and Home Alone with the scary... When I was a little kid, that scene where he gets scared in the basement kind of scared me a little bit too. Um, between that and uh, that, the, the furnace thing from Home Alone, no thank you, buddy. I'm, I don't want anything to do with that. So no. So I'm going to go ahead and give you partial credit on that. Because you missed, there's a key component I really wanted you to talk about. And that was how they're all really freaking dirty, man. Like, no one ever goes into their basements and cleans their basement. They're so dirty and nasty. Like, you're going to take you're gonna take the time to put up a wine cellar. And he doesn't clean it. Racks, and you're not going to vacuum? No, Dustin? Doesn't make no vacuum? Sense. What the hell, man? What the hell? What the hell? It's driving nuts. Driving nuts. I'll give you half credit. All right, here's a little, here's a little last one. Here's the last one. Ready? Okay. So, what total recall which is a is a podcast favorite for Justin and I. What Total <laughs> Recall alum was in this movie? Uh, total Recall alum. Yes, very important character. Um, trying to think. Oh, it was uh, the the one who was married to Mimi in the movie. He's in Total Recall. That is correct. That is correct. You didn't get all the details, but I'm still going to give you a partial credit. I don't credit. remember who he was until totally That's fine. Cool. That's fine. You're still going to get credit because it was it. Irv Kendall is the character from uh, from the movie who is Which, in, by the way, yeah. he's supposed supposedly married to Mimi's character, right? In this movie, I think Mimi's maybe be, maybe be, is maybe about 25 years old, but because of the sure. way she looks, they made it seem like she's in her 40s. What an awful mm -hmm. casting for her. Oh, my God. That's a suck. So anyway, uh, the actor's name is Roy Brocksmith. He played Irv Kendall in the movie, but he was also Dr. Edgemar in Total Recall. He was the unfortunate guy who had a really bad, uncontrollable sweating issue, and that got him killed because uh, Quaid was able to see the, the bead of sweat coming down uh, his face uh, when the doctor was trying to convince him to take a pill because this was all just a total recall and this happened. The pill was a manifestation and it was going to get him out of it. And that's when uh, I feel like this is probably an overreaction. Uh, Quaid just blew his head off. <laughs> just like, just went and shot him. Like you could, there's like the spectrum from, okay, take the pill to blow the dude's head off. Like there's other options in between there. Like just hit him, no, you know, with the gun. No. no, he just straight up murders him. Just straight Completely up justified. Completely justified. I think the so too. Man, the man just tore a ball out of his nose. I'd be upset too, right? I, I understand he's going through. So uh, looking at this, you've got, uh, let's see, you got like one third, you've got the one, and I'll give you a half. So we'll go, we'll go. I'm just going to give you an even two. All right, that's good. That's good. We're two, on the right track here. I'm like, what's yeah, going it's on? Pretty good. Okay, it's pretty good. All right, my turn. So Justin gave me the movie Polar, uh, which is a new Netflix movie that's directed by Jonas Ackerland with a screenplay by Jason Rothwell. And it's based on the Dark Horse comic called Polar, Came from the Cold by Victor Santos. Uh, it stars Mads Mikkelsen, 
uh, as Duncan Vizla, who is a super awesome assassin, uh, also goes by the name Black Kaiser. It also has Vanessa Hudgens as his new neighbor because he eventually retires and he has this whole place in like Montana and like his neighbor is Camille. Uh, and they have kind of a friendship, weird, weird relation going on. And also has Catherine Winnick uh, in it. Uh, and she plays Vivian. And Catherine Winnick is Ligurtha from uh, from Vikings. Uh, she's kind of like the coordinator of assassins for Matt Lucas's Blut, uh, who is the worst movie villain of all time. Bar none, not even close. And then there's also a wonderful sneaky appearance by my favorite actor, uh, Richard Dreyfus, who plays an old timey assassin at a karaoke bar and he sings King of the Road. And he's actually the one who's able to drug Duncan. It's really awesome. Uh, and so I was uh, as I was looking around and learning a little about this movie, I found a weird bit of trivia on IMDb that apparently Richard Dreyfus personally directed several of the torture scenes that are in this movie because he wanted oh to make sure God. he wanted to make sure that they were done right. I'm very confused. Very confused. <laughs> like there are so many ways to go with this. Like what happened with mr holland <laughs> see you you go you there i i always think of him as hooper from jaws he's always gonna be hooper to me uh but i i just wonder how does richard dreyfus know the authenticity of torture scenes uh is jonas ackerland just inept and incapable of doing doing these and like was richard dressing like no that ain't right get out of my way you know like I, I don't i don't understand so there's so many questions so let me walk through the actual plot of this uh this movie so duncan uh, wants to retire, but Blut's assassin, assassination company, which is called Damocles, uh, isn't doing too well with the finances. Uh, so he wants to shore up his numbers. I think I can't tell if it was like he was they were getting there's going to be an acquisition going on because uh, he has this little this little meeting. But there is essentially a retirement uh, process that they have where the company matches their assassins retirement um, investment programs. So whatever, whatever the the actual assassin contributes to their retirement fund over the course of their career with Damocles. Once they hit, I think it's their 50th, um, their 50th birthday, uh, they will match that, that number. And so the, the company will match their, their retirement contributions. And so Duncan has, has been paying the max amount. So he's at $8 million. And so that means that Damocles is going to have to pay Eight million dollars. It's actually slightly more specific. I know Justin really likes numbers and asking me about specific numbers that are very long. So I wrote it down. Uh, specifically, it's eight million two hundred seven thousand five hundred twenty-three in four cents. I'm not uh, doing those anymore. All right. Okay. I'm just. I've just. I, just, I, just I, I feel like I should get. I should get points for that. Uh, so anyway. So in order to try to shore up some of their financial numbers, Blut, the again worst villain ever. Uh, he decides that he is going to renege on this particular program. And so he's going to start assassinating, uh, retiring, uh, retiring assassins because with like his younger crew, uh, because he doesn't want to pay out their, their numbers. And so at the very beginning of the movie, they kill Johnny Knoxville because Johnny Knoxville just recently retired. And before he hits his, his actually payoff number, his payoff point, um, they kill him. And so he sends like the worst uh, assassins ever to go kill him, but they, they managed to do it because it was blow time. And then they're able to <laughs> collect that money. Right. And so Duncan is hitting that age. And so they decide that they're going to do the same thing. Now, Vivian tries to talk him out of doing this, uh, but 
Blut doesn't listen to him or listen to her, excuse me, even though Vivian seems very clear that like you don't screw with the Black Kaiser. This is the Black Kaiser. This isn't Johnny Knoxville. Would you crazy? Uh, so anyway, <laughs> so Blut puts out a hit on Kaiser and the first hit they attempt to lure him to Belarus with like a revenge killing, suggesting that Johnny Knoxville's murderer is there. And it was like this. I think I can't remember if it was like a. It was like a Mexican cartel or something. It was really strange because they were in Belarus, so I didn't really understand. Uh, but the point is, they try to lure Duncan to do it, and Duncan says, okay, finally, after being talked into it, he does it. But part, part of me thinks he was doing this just to try to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, and he completely outplays her, and it was supposed to be a setup, but he outplays the setup and just kills everybody. Uh, then he goes back, and he is you know, actually retiring at this point. Um, Blut sets his 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 a squad or his a team up uh to, to actually try to hunt him down uh so but hunting the black kaiser is much more difficult than hunting johnny knockville's fairly coked up assassin so duncan has multiple properties first of all and it's unclear to his accountant who is uh who is played by julian richings by the way uh, he is death from supernatural uh, i think he is the physical embodiment of the character of ichabod crane as well uh, but he's awesome he's always awesome i love that guy so anyway it's unclear which of Duncan's properties that he owns is actually his retirement home. So the dumbass assassins that Blut sends after, uh, sends after him don't know where to go. So they go through this little montage of them going to all these different locations, only to realize that this was all just misdirection and that Duncan has actually retired to Triple Oak, Montana, which is where none of the properties that he has claimed are. Uh, and instead... They find him because he has been giving an annual two thousand uh, donation, two thousand two hundred thousand dollar donation to a charitable trust through a bank within Triple Oak, Montana. So in Montana, Duncan has been living by a lake. Uh, he's in this cabin in this sort of cold, cold area of Montana, and there's like by a lake. It's very small, towny, etc. And he befriends Camille, and he uh, chops her firewood for her when she doesn't. She's incapable of doing it. Tries to teach her how to use a gun. Volunteers to give a talk to school children during which he passes around this really big knife and volunteers to. And uh, he shows photos of dead bodies. It's all very strange, uh, and he gives a lecture basically on how to kill people. Very odd. Very odd. A little moment that was. Um, then eventually the incredibly obnoxious and absolutely ridiculous and impossible, terrible, worth, worthless group of young assassins try to attack him. They all die except for a Scottish ginger uh, who is sent to abduct Camille instead as like a plan B, which leads Duncan to kind of go on this crazy hunt to try to find her, which leads him to Richard Dreyfus, And that's when Richard Dreyfus uh, poisons him. Uh, because you know Richard Dreyfus is a savvy old man that no one that Duncan wasn't really expecting, and then he's captured by Blut, and so Duncan is tortured for three days. Uh, but then, as you might expect, he gets free. He kills pretty much everyone except for Blut and a handful of guards, and they get away. Then Duncan recuperates with a plot device by the name of Jasmine, uh, who is a former lover and quality weapons dealer who just so happens to like him and can give him all this kind of stuff. Uh, so then Duncan manages to kill Vivian as well as he lures her to this warehouse with a bunch of also with the Scottish ginger and a bunch of other people. And then eventually he hunts down blood, cuts off his head, throws the head out the window. It's all really super cool looking. Uh, but it's, it's, I roll my eyes. Uh, he then nurses Camille back to health because while she was captured, she was, uh, being fed a bunch of drugs. Uh, and so as he recoup, as they go back to like triple Oak, Montana, uh, he he tries to help her recuperate. And that's when we learn that, Camille isn't just a nobody. She's actually the child of a hit gone wrong from Duncan's past. Like we've been getting these weird flashbacks, these little images throughout the movie about this, this point where he killed her family 
uh, and she is has been the recipient of that mysterious two hundred thousand dollar trust that he's been setting up like every year. Uh, so eventually, she, she looks like she's about to kill him, but then she decides not to. She spares him, um, partly because maybe he saved her life, but also partly because he is going to help her track down the people who really who actually took the hit out because he was just the instrument of the hit. He wasn't murdering her. Like he was the assassin. So who's the actual person who wanted her family dead? So what do I think of this movie? I don't think it's any good. Um, so Justin called it the John Wick, like, like John, the poor man's John Wick. And I agree with that assessment. I think John Wick is a far superior film. This one's stupid. Uh, and many, many times, and that hurts me to say this because I like Mads Mikkelsen. Um, however, there's just so many ridiculous points uh, of uh, like the plot doesn't make sense at times. Certain character choices don't make sense at times. I think there are numerous moments throughout the film where they focus way too heavily on make, trying to make something look cool and edgy as opposed to actually making it good. The movie is way too freaking long. Uh, it's two hours long. It has no business being two hours long. This is, this is just not, it's not deep enough. There's not enough cool sequences. Um, the torture sequences are just dumb. Like there's a certain point where I'm just, I'm so tired of like just torture sequences. Like, okay, Okay, cool. You're torturing him. What else is new? Uh, I'm really confused about a few things. Damocles is forcing the retirement of assassins at 50 years of age. Uh, all this, I don't understand that. If you you really need money, why are you accelerating the age in which they retire? Like you're doing that, and that's all you're doing is accelerating the date in which you have to to match the contribution payout. So like that's kind of stupid. And I also don't understand the younger generations. Like first of all, the younger generation of assassins are terrible at their job. Like they dress up like cartoon characters to make them super easy to identify so it would be really difficult did you see any strange characters that might have been coming in and out of the house i'm like oh in fact i did there was a really tall man with a beard and he was dressed up like a like a cowboy and then there was a woman with no eyebrows right i know so it's just like these are terrible like these are absolutely terrible like i just i can't i couldn't take it and it's just they're super loud with everything they do. Like they're not clever about anything. They don't, you know, they don't do anything in a smart way. And also they have to work in like this big team. Like what the hell is this? Like all the other assassins were working by themselves. And so they're worse at their job. They have to work together. They're incredibly obnoxious and they're super dumb because they should see how the company they're, they're employed by is actually treating their employees and realize it's probably not a good company to be working for. Why is labor fighting against labor? This is ridiculous. It's so dumb. I can't stand it. It's absolutely uh, like they, they're the worst thing. And they're gone halfway through the movie, like they're killed halfway through the movie. But then we have to sit through the other half. Right. So I don't like this movie. I, I, I was I was kind of I was kind of sad. Like I was I was kind of iffy at it for for a while after my first watch. And then I rewatched it a little bit uh, yesterday just to kind of re, re prep for like the quiz and whatnot. And I just realized, like, this isn't any good. Like, this is just not a good movie. And it's got nothing to do with Mads Mikkelsen because he's fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic in this. Hands down, he is the best part of this movie. But, well, I'm sorry. He's the second best part of this movie. Richard Dreyfuss is in it, so by definition, he's the best. But other than that, every other aspect of this movie is terrible. The villain is ridiculous. Like, why is anyone following this person? Like, I, it, it, they're not strong. They're not smart. Like, what the hell, man? Like, it's just, it's just the whole situation, the whole setup is just terrible. I don't think it's a good movie. I don't think people should waste their time. And looking at Metacritic, it's got a 19 out of 100 on Metacritic. So I feel like a lot of other people are seeing the same thing I am. And that is just, like Justin said, he said it as a joke, but I think it's, it's actually quite true. This is a poor man's John Wick. It wishes it was John Wick. It's not John Wick. This is a bad movie. So don't, don't go watch it. That's what I'm saying. I just thought Mad looked really cool. Oh, the eye patch thing. That's the other thing. Just now we're just talking about this before we started recording. So all the promo material basically for this movie has has Mads 
his character with an eye patch, has Duncan with an eye patch. Well, the thing is, he doesn't get the eye patch until three quarters into the movie when he loses an eye. Like he has an eye during the torture sequence and then finally has him, has it at the end. So it's just like, okay, whatever. That, that's that's super. That's great. But yeah, he does look pretty cool, but I don't know. It's based off a of comic, so maybe the comic's better, but I don't like the movie at all. <laughs> like, which is really, it was really kind of sad. Like, I, I would, I don't want to watch it again. All right. So, so ready for your questions then? There we go. Yeah. All right. So when he was talking to his uh, financial advisor, what property was he going to retire to? And why? Why did the property? Why? Why did the guy he say was, he was retiring? He was going to uh, Miami, Florida, to work on the handicap on the golf handicap, right? Keep that. That's uh, absolutely that right. That's We're going to like the handicap. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's one correct. All right. Do they eat turkey in Turkey? That's a very interesting question, Justin. No, they eat chicken and they put it on skewers. That's exactly what I put. Very good. <laughs> Well, that's exactly what was said on skewers right. so justin's referencing the scene like this absolutely this is such a stupid scene but it's it's actually kind of a fun scene so camille tries to get uh tries to get duncan to go and speak to kids at the local school in triple oak montana he's like i don't know how to talk to kids but eventually he does it and he goes there and he's giving this little seminar about a, about a certain type of knife called a kukri, which is an arterial weapon that's perfect for slicing through flesh, but sucks at stabbing. He, he tells the kids to actually say as like a monster, right? And so he's teaching them how to like kill people with this with this weapon. Then he's passing around pictures of a corpse that's been in the sun for like two weeks. Yeah, like and like the teacher is just in the back and she's digging it. I'm like, what? And she's making a weird face, but she's not interfering with it. I'm like, what is going on? You're like, I don't know. Like, cause at times this, this movie wants to be funny and like silly. And then at times the movie wants to be taken seriously. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's really hard to, to, to kind of navigate what time is which. So, but anyway, one of the, one of the questions that the kids ask is, do they eat Turkey and Turkey and no, they eat chicken and they put them on skewers. And as he says it, he has this little flashback to when he was in Turkey and he was doing a hit in Turkey. And that's where he stabbed a dude in the back of the head with like a skewer. So there you go. All right. So next question. When did Richard Dreyfus turn into the ghost of Christmas future? So, <laughs> so do you remember the remake of Poseidon? No, I do not. I think it was then because the remake of Poseidon, he was in that. Uh, and so I think it was right about then. And it was at that point where I realized that, that Richard Dreyfus is now going to be playing old characters. Uh, not just to, old characters like yeah like really but old rottingly old characters because holy yeah. moly he looks awful yeah 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 but it's richard dreyfus so i mean i'm cool with it but yeah i think i think that would be about the time where i think it started uh is right around there i'm sorry the answer was uh i think it was in uh it would be right after mr holland's opus because that's when they put the old what? makeup on him they put the old makeup on him at the end. You know when they all play his opus at the end of the movie and he looks old? They never took it off. They never took it off. So that's I, I don't know if I agree with that. I'm taking a look at his IMD. By the way, did you know that Richard Dreyfus is, is 112 years old? I think 71 years old. Yeah, Richard Dreyfus is and 71. Timothy Dalton looks that much better than him? It doesn't make any sense. I think he was made to look that way. I'm looking at a more recent pic of Richard Dreyfuss, and he looks he looks quite quite distinguished with a very very lovely beard, well trimmed. I'm telling you, yes. uh, Timothy Dalton still super handsome. Timothy Dalton looks amazing, but Timothy Dalton also you know was a James Bond character, so like it's really hard to compete with a James Bond character. And I man, 1995 was Mr. Holland's opus. 1995. I'm trying to look at like he was in. G oh, did you know he did James and the Giant Peach? He did the centipede voice. I had no idea. Anyways, next question. Learning so many things right now. 
Okay, why is Michael? Why, why is Mads uh, Mickelson so badass? So why is it? Well, his first name is Mads. Like, <laughs> so I think it starts with the name. Like, and plus there's the alliteration going on, which sometimes can be cheesy. It's but a lot like, with like superheroes. It works a lot. Yeah, but at the same time, like with the first name Mads, it's really hard to be like you know. Uh, kind of a i'm just a nice guy i work as an accountant like it's really hard you kind of have to go into like a badass and a badass role and then it's his voice too right because he's got this like kind of soft-spoken gravelly voice that sort of betrays the intimidation factor like and the idea of like he's so soft-spoken and so badass plus he played one of the knights of the round table back at king arthur and so that was really helpful as well so he's got that kind of old school thing going on uh and yeah he's just he 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 always takes badass roles has a uh, accent from a uh, country I do not know where it's from. Uh, you don't know so. where you don't know where Mads Mikkelsen's from. No, it's a good good oh. accent though. I feel like he's was it probably Norway, Sweden, something like that. Uh, Denmark, Denmark, Denmark. Sorry, I apologize. He comes, he comes from the land of handsome. That's where he comes from. <laughs> okay. All right, so that one's good. Last question: What is the grossest part of this movie? There's lots of stuff that happens, right? You got the torture scene that lasts like three days, right? You have right. the fat guy getting shot to death by four different people. Right. You have the drill to the head to the Mexican cartel guy. Right. You have the Swayze throat rip that happens in the movie as well. Out of all the things that happen to me, what's the most horrific and disgusting part about the movie? The opening credits? Is, is that like where they actually decided to have the movie? Um, let me see. The gro- like like in all seriousness, what's the grossest part? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I would probably say I'm not a big fan of eye stuff. Uh, I've had eye problems since I was a very very young young lad. I, I wore glasses when I was a very 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 young kid, and I had uh, contacts, and so I've always been like messing with my eyes. So I would say for me, I find the eye anytime like stuff's happening to the eye is uh, I don't I don't like that kind of stuff. So that's what I'm gonna go with. I'm sorry, Jeffrey, you're wrong. It's when he actually shoots his own dog. So to me, that's when I was like, all right. That's not gross. That's not gross. What's the gross? Horrific, awful. Play back the tape. You said gross. I will gladly play it back. It's gross. You literally said gross. Horrific, awful, and gross. He kills a cute little French bulldog. Anytime a movie does that for me, I'm I'm not. It was a pug. I'm not okay with it. There was that. There was uh, I am. That's legend. not what you said. You didn't say what's the most tragic. Play it. If ah. you would have said what's the most tragic, I would have said when he kills his dog. Sure. What's the saddest moment when he kills his dog? But you said, but you were talking about horrific, gross stuff, and then you listed because you were baiting me, which is not very nice, by the way, what you just did. So I'm, I just feel, I'm not. I'm not saying. No, no, I did, no. I'm not saying I did you, not lead the witness. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and take credit for this one because you presented it in such a way that I think was deceptive. Uh, so I, I feel like this was this was this was a question that was not asked in good faith. The dog does. You did not ask this in good faith. You did not ask this question in good faith. Anyways, you got four so, out of five. Uh, um, I'm going to go ahead and take credit for that. Four out of five. That's something you almost had a perfect score if you just didn't screw up that last one. But uh, maybe maybe next time uh-huh. next time you'll get it. Okay. So, uh, I got high hopes okay. for you. All right, so we're going to record it then. Two out of two, out of, two out of six for you. Four out of five for me. Done. Yeah. Recorded. Official. Ha ha, sucker! I actually got three out of five because you said I got the Richard Dreyfus one wrong. But it's no! recorded. Too late. Get baited. You suck. Math is hard. <laughs> okay, so you ready for new quizzes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, what do you got for me? So I have a movie that 
came out a couple of years, I think four years ago, which I've actually really want to see. It's on Netflix now. It's Swiss Army Man, and it stars uh, Harry Potter. Um, it's a really weird, uh, like, survival movie where Harry Potter is a corpse that has a bunch of weird attributes to it, including super powerful farts. So, uh, you're going to watch that. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it myself, too. So, Swiss Army Man on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, it farts. Okay, so you are going to watch the first two episodes of a Netflix television show that just came up recently. It's a foreign language film, or excuse me, foreign language production. Uh, it is called Kingdom. Kingdom. Yes. All right. Yes. It's a Wait, little bit. Uh, synopsis of this. Uh... I, I'm just gonna. I think, you should, I think you should go into it blind. I think you should go okay. into it blind. All right. All right. I think you should just go into it blind. It's. It'll be fun though. It combines some some cool things uh, like uh, martial artistry. Like that's, okay that's, there's definitely some of that um possibly zombies um, all right so yeah so yeah that's what we're gonna go with got it okay, sounds good all right i feel like it's time then we gotta close this episode down if you are like what wait that's not that's that's not right if you like what you are hearing or if you uh, appreciate if you are a like this podcast if you yourself <laughs> are a podcast. if you think what we're doing is gross uh what i would like you to do I would like you to go up on the old iTunes and do a little review, maybe a couple stars, you know, drop a couple words, things like that. I don't know why I'm going into this voice. Uh, also, you can find us up on the interweb at lollygeggerco.com. You can catch me on Twitter at lollygeggerco. Justin likes to stream. He's been doing a lot of streaming lately. Uh, that's great. It's wonderful. Except uh, the Twitter announcements just, just they're lies. They're just blatant lies. Uh, so you can find him at twitch.tv slash jahufa. Justin, um, say something smart. Uh, imaginary numbers are square root of negative one. Okay, all right. Good night, everybody. <laughs>